With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here welcoming you back to the show this week. And guys, I'm really hoping that this program is going to go a lot smoother than it did last week because it was really weird. I've been doing podcasting now since uh, 2013 and since then I've done hundreds and hundreds of episodes. I mean, this is, I think about, um, well, we're closing in 150 for this uh, podcast. Anyhow, I've never had a single glitch in a recording session in all those years and in all those different uh, podcast episodes I've recorded. But last week was a first. I got about halfway through the amount of material I wanted to cover. And then all of a sudden, my software just froze, the recording software that I use. And I know there's different ways to do it. And some people recommend that you have a digital audio recorder and just record into that. I won't get into the nitty gritty. Anyhow, it was really weird. Uh, I think my my uh, computer was uh, downloading and installing an update for Windows. And there was some sort of conflict. But it was weird because it was also frustrating because I also do the show usually quite late at night. Well, not late at night, but uh, it, it's certainly at the end of a long day for me. So having to start over after getting you know, more than 50% in was, uh, was a bit challenging. But hey, this week there is something to celebrate. There is something to talk about. And that is, of course, the crowning of Lewis Hamilton as world champion after coming home second at the U- U.S. Grand Prix last weekend in Austin, Texas. Lewis, of course, has been basically been a shoe in a, for the title for months. His uh, lead at the top of the world championship was unassailable. And of course, there were always uh, mathematical ways that uh, Valtteri Bottas could uh, catch up and beat Lewis. But it was pretty unrealistic. I mean, uh, the, the the odds for all of those things to happen and Valtteri to maximize and win all the races that he needed to and Lewis not to score any points was astronomic at best. But still, uh, congratulations uh, to Lewis um, uh, for winning it. And I guess um, there was a bit of a challenge at the end, uh, albeit however small, but it is an amazing achievement. I, I still think even as recently as the beginning of the 2018 World Championship and uh, just thinking then, well, it's most likely going to go down between Lewis Hamilton and uh, Sebastian Vettel for the uh, for World Champion, and one of them will become a five-time World Champion uh, by the end of uh, 2018, of course. And this, here we are, a year later, and now not only is uh, Sebastian still a four-time world champion, all of a sudden Lewis Hamilton is a six-time world champion. I can't wrap my head around it. It's uh, just to use Lewis's words, a bit surreal, and uh, it is really a phenomenal uh, achievement. Of course, he is the best uh, driver in the best car with the best team, and that, of course, has a lot to do with it. But still, nonetheless, I mean, it, it's not that he goes out there and walks it every single weekend. Still has to work. It still has to put in the effort, and uh, it's an extremely 
impressive uh, achievement when you think about it. And if you go around now and you, you look, of course, the, the, the next benchmark that he has to, to aim for is to uh, tie Michael Schumacher's record seven world championships. And that really is the gold standard. And I really came of age as a... Um, as the time when Michael was just breaking into Formula One and during his um, his time, especially as the, the the Ferrari years, is where he, of course, he really made a name for himself and won a whole pile of world championships for the Scuderia. But if you look now, you compare them head to head. Of course, Michael has one more world championship than, than Lewis. But just head to head on some of the key statistics. Uh, Michael, 68 uh, pole positions. Lewis, 87. Miles ahead in that category. Uh, Michael uh, has re- uh, led 142 races. Lewis, 145. Michael wa- has wa- or won 91 uh, Grand Prix. Uh, Lewis, 83. Uh, Michael, 155 podiums. And Lewis, 150. So he's already catching up or surpassed Michael Schumacher in so many categories. And obviously the next one will be the podiums uh, next year. You have to think that uh, Lewis Hamilton is going to get on the podium at least five times in 2020. I mean, it's inconceivable to, to see otherwise. I mean, eight wins next year to to tie Michael Schumacher. It's possible. It's a, a big, uh, big number to aim for. But we've seen Lewis win a lot of races in a year. So that's another one that could uh, conceivably tumble as well. And then if uh, things go uh, his way, then of course, he could become a seven time world champion. So I mean, it really is phenomenal because I didn't think after Michael Schumacher left Ferrari and of course he had a, a comeback with a couple of years at uh, at Mercedes uh, before finally hanging up his helmet uh, for, for good and going into retirement but I really thought that we would never see that uh, equaled and of course now looking back at it uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, but still it, uh, it when you see the amount of work and dominance that goes into a driver winning just a championship let alone multiple championships it really is uh, quite phenomenal but I mean if you look now at um, also uh, Lewis's uh, career in general I mean it seems like a very very long time ago since he won his very first uh, race at the 2007 uh, Canadian Grand Prix but it uh, it really has been uh, a wonderful uh, career that he's had uh, so far I mean he's only raced uh, for for two teams uh, coming into uh, to F1 with uh, McLaren way back in uh in 2007 and then switching to uh, mercedes in uh, 2013 of course winning his first world championship when he was uh w- with uh, mercedes and of course that was uh, that uh, phenomenal uh and exciting finale at uh, brazil in 2008 just um, managing to sneak it away from uh, felipe massa but i mean his first season finished second of the world championship first in 2008 and then in the, the, the following four seasons uh, from uh, McLaren from 2009 to 2012, never finished higher than uh, fourth in the world championship. And then, uh, well, uh, since he switched to Mercedes in 2013, uh well, I mean, he did finish that, that first year. He finished fourth the world championship his first year uh, with, with Mercedes. But since then, since 2014, he hasn't finished lower than second in the world championship. And that is, uh, the, of course, the one time he didn't finish or uh, first and win the world championship was just a couple of years ago in 2016 when he finished uh, runner-up to his uh, teammate, uh, uh, Nico Rosberg. But five out of the last six world championships won by Lewis Hamilton really quite uh, uh, phenomenal but the amount of points that uh, that he's racked up is uh, is really quite astounding last year 
he finished the season with uh, with 408 points. And uh, right now, as of uh, we, we still have two races uh, to go. He's already on uh, 200, uh, sorry, 381 points. So conceivably, I mean, if he wins a couple more races, he could uh, <laughs> catch up and pass that. But I mean, yeah, what he won the, um, the 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 championship in uh, in 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 2017, 363 points, and uh, when he lost to Nico Rosberg, 380, won it in 2015 and uh, and 2014, 384 and uh, 381 points. I mean, he's r- racked up some serious amount uh, of points over the years. I mean, uh, and just look at the amount of wins that he's had um, for Mercedes: 11 wins in 2014, 2015, 10 wins. Same again in 2016 nine wins 27 as 2017 11 wins in 2018 so that's why i mean it is conceivable i mean then who's to suggest otherwise that uh, mercedes is not going to build another extremely good car uh it just has to be assumed at this point that uh, what they're going to do and what they're going to deliver and give lewis hamilton uh, for next year and valtteri Bottas is going to be another championship uh, contender so it really is um I think that conversation needs to be had where he fits into the the, the great drivers of Formula One, but and and it's usually a conversation that I don't like about having an athlete in any sports. While one one athlete or driver in this case is active and another one is uh, retired and it's different eras and and all those sorts of things, but. I, I think in this case, I think it is a, a good time to, to have that discussion. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it really is fantastic because especially when you watch Lewis Hamilton, I mean, he is still, I think, over the, um, the, the course of a simple or a single lap one of the fastest uh, drivers in in Formula One. He is just able to nail these brilliant laps one after another after another whenever he needs to uh, speed it up for a pit stop to achieve the undercut or the overcut or just in uh, in in uh, in qualifying. It really is uh, absolutely uh, mind-boggling how he can uh, do it. I mean, he's still fairly young. I mean, uh, Lewis is only uh, 34 years old. Uh, and if you look at uh, Kimi Raikkonen, six years older, I mean, he's got one more a year left before he retires and uh, he'll be 41 at the time so I mean the, th- the the question is is how long does Lewis Hamilton still want to keep uh, racing and uh, and and how long he wants to keep going for because obviously with the, the the way he's going I mean he's earned the right to walk away and retire when he wants and on his own terms and I've always wondered what would Lewis do later in his career would he want to go to uh, another team like uh, Ferrari and try that uh, that challenge and and see if he can win a world championship uh, for Ferrari as well and at this point I can't really see it happening I know that it would be a dream for a, a lot of drivers to uh, win uh, or drive for Ferrari win a world championship there but honestly for me now <laughs> Lewis is He's synonymous with uh, Mercedes. He seems to me to be the quintessential Mercedes driver. There's certain guys that you always think belong with a certain team. I mean, you think of Mika Hakkinen and uh, Ayrton Senna. You always think that they drove for uh, for uh, McLaren at uh, obviously at different times. And uh, when I think about uh, Fernando Alonso, I think of uh, the, the first one that pops into my mind is uh, is Renault when he won uh, his two world championships there in 2005 and 2006. And it would be really, really weird. And, uh, you know, every once in a while when you pop online, you'll see uh, pictures that uh, that people Photoshop. And uh, I've seen uh, ones of Lewis wearing uh, scarlet red uh, Ferrari overalls. I've seen Sebastian Vettel wearing uh, the silver Mercedes uh, overalls and things like that. But I would really have a hard time uh, really imagining that that, that could uh, really happen. But who knows? Who knows? Who, who could... Uh, 
blame him for wanting to try a different challenge, but at the same time, I couldn't uh, really see it happening. Anyways, I just wanted to take a quick uh, break here just to uh, talk about uh, Vivid Seats because we have action in the NFL, NBA, NHL, and so many wonderful sporting events and all other events going on at this time of year. It really is one of the best times of the entire year. And if you don't want to miss the game or the event of your choice, make sure you have your seats for the game, and you can get that at Vivid Seats. They are the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section row of your choice, and you can do this all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back, and that is a Vivid Seats reward. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats reward loyalty program. Now, every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And finally, when it's time to buy, new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So make sure you go and check that out. Okay, well, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the uh, U.S. Grand Prix last weekend. And I know it's a completely, uh, I guess, a moot point at this this time now. But we do have two races left. And, of course, there isn't anything left to race for but uh, pride. There are some points left on the table. But just uh, for the sake of it, let's just review the, the... the standings in uh, both the the drivers and constructors championships mercedes 695 points ferrari 479 red bull honda 366 mclaren renault 121 renault 83 and then uh, rounding out to the bottom five in the constructors championship racing point toro rosso alfa romeo Haas, and williams with the one sad single only point rounding out the 10th and last team in the constructors world championship on the driver's side of course uh, as we were talking about before the break, Lewis Hamilton crowned world champs past weekend. 381 points for Lewis. That's, uh, well, miles ahead of his teammate Valtteri Bottas. Second in the championship, 314. Charles Leclerc, 249 points. Max Verstappen, 235. Sebastian Vettel, 230. And then a long way back to the very impressive Alexander Albon in the second uh, Red Bull. He's got 84 points. That is four points ahead of Carlos Sainz, who is seventh in um, the first of the McLarens. Pierre Gasly and Danny Ricardo. Sergio Perez in the first of the racing points rounds out the top 10. And then the bottom 10 drivers in the World Championship. Lando Norris, Nico Hulkenberg, Danny Kvyat, Kimi Raikkonen, Lance Stroll, Kevin Magnussen, Roman Grosjean, Antonio Giovinazzi, Robert Kubica, and George Russell. And George Russell, the rookie for Williams, the only driver not to have scored a single point in the World Championship this season. He has uh, two races left to try and change that around, but uh, yeah, we know how, long, how how hard of a season and a long year it has been for Williams thus far. Anyway, so just going over the the top 10 of the, uh, the race classification at the U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas past weekend. Race winner Valtteri Bottas uh, passing his uh, teammate Lewis Hamilton just a couple laps before the end. Max Verstappen in the Red Bull rounding out uh, the the podium. Charles Leclerc miles behind. Ferrari completely off the the pace this past weekend. Alexander Albon, Danny Ricciardo, Lando Norris uh, coming home in the first of the two McLarens. Seventh and eighth uh, for them with uh, Carlos Sainz coming in uh, in eighth behind his teammate. Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio Perez rounding out the top top ten. Bottom ten was Kimi uh, Raikkonen, Danny Kivu. 
Viviette Lance Stroll, Antonio Giovinazzi, Roman Grosjean, Pierre Gasly, George Russell uh, finished, uh, well, he was there two laps uh, behind uh, Pierre uh, Gasly, ended up with a DNF, and uh, a couple other uh, drivers that uh, didn't finish uh, the race was uh, K-Mag with an exploding brake disc, Robert Kubica, who really noticed him going uh, out of the race, I certainly didn't at the time, and of course the uh, the other driver not to be classified was uh, poor old Sebastian Vettel, who retired uh, after only seven laps after a, quite a spectacular suspension failure and uh, his uh, tough season has uh, obviously uh, continued but the, the the big news of the uh, the, the weekend of course was um, Sebastian sorry not Sebastian Vettel I'm getting completely wrong here was uh, Lewis Hamilton winning the world championship but uh, there were plenty of other stories uh, going on and uh, he did uh, seal the title uh, despite uh, losing uh, to, to Bottas and again it was a bit of a interesting difference between the strategies uh, employed by the different teams and also the uh, just within Mercedes uh, themselves this weekend uh, Hamilton's gamble didn't uh, pay off and just didn't have the, uh, the, the the pace to fend off his teammate uh, late in the race and uh, certainly had to uh, his work cut out from uh, for himself to, to stay in front of Max Verstappen and I looked at it at the time even though uh, Max uh, was going a little bit faster you could tell that he was going to get up right close before Lewis at the end of the race and I did remark at the time that if uh, Max wants to get uh, close and pass Lewis um, if, if uh, Lewis's tires are failing that badly he uh, needs probably about uh, two or three laps uh, extra and that's uh, exactly uh, what it was but uh, it was uh, it was interesting just how it uh, all turned out and it, it was another uh, weekend I think that was uh, was was interesting just uh, watching the qualifying because even though uh, Sebastian Vettel started that race uh, second um, uh, behind uh, Valtteri Bottas you know I think he was only about a hundredth of a second uh, behind him so fairly close uh, for for pace in the race itself Ferrari just had no pace even right uh, from the start we're going to talk about this in in a minute because uh, there, there's a lot of different theories out there as to uh, why they were uh, so slow and uh, a, a lot of that speculation has to go with them um, this technical uh, directive that was issued by the FIA this uh, past week uh, regarding engines and uh, they, they uh, a lot of uh, Ferrari's rivals wanted clarification on the uh, the end uh, uh, on the issue and uh, just the way that uh, they were circumventing or there was um, I guess a uh, speculation that they were uh, doing things with the fuel flow and uh, doing maybe some things that were a bit of a gray area and the, the, the fact that they were so much slower was uh, due to the fact that um, the, the advantage, uh, the, the fact that they were playing this gray area, this loophole in the rules has now been closed and uh, well... I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But it it, it was interesting, uh, nonetheless, to see how uh, how mu- how much of a a performance deficit that they did have. But anyways, um, just talking about uh, race winner uh, Valtteri Bottas, he said that it felt good to deny his teammate Lewis Hamilton uh, the chance to win the Formula One title with uh, with a win at the U.S. Grand Prix. And uh, I think that uh, that that, that Bottas uh, well and truly uh, deserved that race uh, win, which I believe was his uh, seventh uh, career victory. Anyways, it uh, it has been an interesting year, and I really thought that even though that uh, that Bottas has managed to win several races this year, which is much better than it was uh, last year. I mean, twenty eighteen was was really rough for him. It uh, never really seemed like he got into a groove last year, and uh, and he suffered uh, because of that. But but this year, I mean, he really th- came out in uh, in Australia at the very first race of the the year way back in March, which seems like an eternity ago now. But I thought it was uh, very impressive just uh, the, the way that he came out because he was quick.
quicker than everyone that, that race. He was quicker than his teammate, quicker than the Red Bull. And that was another one of those races where Ferrari struggled because uh, he was, uh, Bottas was uh, well ahead of his teammate, uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton, who came second. Uh, Max Verstappen, who was quicker than the Ferraris, came home third. And then Sebastian Vettel uh, was fourth. And then Charles uh, Leclerc's teammate, making his debut for the team, uh, ordered to, uh, by the team to hold station and hold fifth. And that really sort of set, uh, I think, the tone. I mean, now looking back at it, I know we have the the, the benefit of almost uh, 20 uh, additional races since then to uh, see how the season has unfolded and uh, where Mercedes has uh, excelled and been stronger than uh, Ferrari and how Ferrari pulled uh, some some races back after the summer break. But still, I mean, it was those those um, those early races of the year that uh, that, that Mercedes really did uh, pull away and establish uh, their, their strangle. What was going to become a, a strangle? Strangleholds on the uh, on the season. It was something that they were really never going to look uh, look back from. And uh, well, I mean, Bottas did put, like I say, put in that uh, that early uh, challenge by winning the first race of the season. But w- once Lewis got into his uh, got into the groove of things and started uh, winning himself, then it uh, really was. Uh, no, it was almost a, I would say settled, but it was uh, really uh, going to be. Uh, it was going to be Lewis's title to lose. I mean, because uh, Bottas won. Well, they did win two uh, two races uh, each out of the first four, uh, and that went up to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix because uh, Valtteri won uh, first in Australia. Then uh, Lewis followed it up with a pair of wins in Bahrain and China. Uh, Bottas answered back and uh, and won in Azerbaijan, which of course uh, was, was snatched out of the, his hands uh, last year. And then Lewis went on a bit of a tear, won uh, four races in a row in Spain, Monaco, Canada, and France. Uh, Max uh, Verstappen. And then uh, managed to sneak in uh, in between there, won a race uh, in Austria, which that was a surprising one for me because uh, Mercedes had been so good through those first eight races of the year, and uh, that's where they really ran away with it uh, and really put their stranglehold on there. It was uh, they were just uh, so much better than their rivals at that point in the season? That's why I think that uh, Austria was uh, was a bit of an outlier for me. I think for a lot of uh, people because uh, Mercedes uh, just uh, weren't as uh, quick as they usually were, and uh, uh, and Max was just not to, to be uh, denied. I mean, uh, Charles Leclerc, he looked like he was going to be the favorite uh, to, to win that one. He was leading the race, qualified on the pole position. And um, since then, I mean, uh, Lewis... Um it, it was harder for him to work for. I mean, he won in Britain, like uh, it seems like he does every year. Then Max uh, won that really bizarre, wet uh, German Grand Prix. And then uh, Lewis uh, has managed to win only three races since then. And I mean, I, I know that uh, three races isn't really... It's, it's not a small achievement, but uh, considering how how well they had been doing early in the year, uh, you did have a, a number of races that won were uh, that were won by uh, Charles Leclerc and the Sebastian Vettel. They won uh, the three races after the summer break, but uh, since then, Russia, Japan, Mexico, USA, again, uh, it's been uh, going back and forth between uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, and Lewis Hamilton and and Valtteri. I mean, all credit to him. Four four race victories this uh, this year. Uh, he's had five pole positions. And I think it's been a, a very, very good uh, season for him. And, and two, two fastest laps uh, recorded uh, both at the uh, the Australian Grand Prix and then at uh, in Montreal, the Canadian Grand Prix back in uh, in June. So there's still uh, more to be put uh, on this season, but you can understand why, why Valtteri Bottas would uh, feel a, a little bit of satisfaction to have uh, you know snuck that uh, victory away from from Lewis Hamilton. I mean, it does work out in the in, in the bigger picture because I was wondering what was going 
going to to, to happen was was Lewis going to pull over and make it uh, easy or let, or let him pass? But they did fight for it a little bit, but uh, in the end, uh, Bottas's tires were were, were better than uh, Lewis's, and it was a, a bit of a, an easy pass. Anyways. It, after we, we we look at that, this was an interesting one, and I, I think what uh, what surprised me about this is having been around uh, elite athletes, having interviewed them and, and and spoken with them many many times over the years. I always find, regardless what the sport, and it doesn't really seem to be too much of a difference uh, between men and women. You know, these high level athletes all seem to have the, uh, the, the the same mentality, and at least publicly, they don't often to admit to. Um, having too many shortcomings or doubts or anything like that. But Lewis Hamilton admits that uh, he had to battle what he called demons uh, to uh, what in which was a, a very emotionally uh, draining season. And well, I mean, obviously there were two very, very dark spots. One was the, the, the untimely uh, death at Spa of Antoine Hubert, the uh, Formula 2 driver. And then also um, uh, Nicky Lauda that uh, was, was a great friend and mentor of, uh, of uh, Lewis Hamilton. So you can imagine that uh, that would be difficult for anyone, but, um, you know, especially for, for Lewis. Uh, I mean, uh, Nicky was, uh, like I say, a, a friend and, uh, and a mentor to him. And uh, he did have to say that it was uh, one of his uh, hardest years and it, it was, uh, it was a, a, an emotional roller coaster. And uh, so Lewis did have to say about this, and I quote, trying to remain focused throughout the year, that is the toughest and the only really other athletes who are at the top of the game can probably relate to it. It's just arrived week in week out can't drop the ball like i did for, uh, in qualifying in the u.s for example and for being able to bounce back from the lower days it has not been easy for us we started the season honestly going off to melbourne thinking that we were going to be behind it has been a real challenge the second half of the season has been the, the toughest second half of the season i think we've had as a team fighting against ferrari and red bull Every year you go through a different roller coaster ride of emotions to get to where you're going. Each and every single one of us is struggling with something in life, whatever it may be, small, big. I try to show people that from the outside, things always look great, but it's not always the case. I'm also struggling with lots of different things and battling certain demons and trying to make sure I'm constantly growing as a person. Yeah, it, you you can understand and I mean, from the, the the professional side, maybe like like he says, um, other athletes that are at the top of the game to you know to take his words uh, might be able to relate what he's going through. But I think we can all relate to a certain extent that when we go through the ups and downs in our lives and the, and, the, and the challenges that we face, that it's it's not always easy to get out of bed and and to show up to work or to school or wh- whatever it is that you need to do uh, during the day. That even though that we have these uh, struggles that we face, that you know we still have a life to live, we still have a living to make. And uh, sometimes you just uh, have to get up, put on your game face, and go out there and, uh, and do your best. I mean, when you're in the uh, you know an elite athlete like Lewis Hamilton, and you're fighting in the World Championship, and there's so much uh, so much on the line, uh, the, the the pressure just must be absolutely uh, enormous. But I do find it uh, an interesting admission from him that uh, just to say that uh, that the second half of the the, the season has been um, more difficult, and of course uh, that that would be true. I mean, uh, Nikki passing away. Uh, during the middle of the year and that that second half I mean we have seen a stronger Ferrari we have seen a stronger Red Bull and uh, well I mean 
the German Grand Prix was a different one because it, it was wet and, and everybody got caught out. I mean, Lewis got caught out. Leclerc was caught out by it. Bottas was caught out. So even Max uh, had a bit of a moment uh, on, on the wet track there, but managed to keep it uh, together and not go off and, and, and put into one of the tire barriers like so many other guys did that uh that uh, that day. I, anyways, I, I just I always find the mindset of some of these uh, elite uh, athletes uh, very interesting, and uh, I, th- I thought it was an interesting look uh, behind the curtain uh, from Lewis Hamilton. All right, uh, moving along, let's talk now about uh, Ferrari, and uh, I, I mentioned this uh, briefly just now, and they did sort of kind of explain things it's interesting it just appears uh, d- depends where you look or the, wh- who you listen to uh talking it about about it because they were saying after the um after the race that they were very insistent that their lack of straight line speed at uh, at austin was nothing to do with uh, with their engine and uh of course uh, the, the, there were a lot of things that were said uh, most uh, i guess notably by uh, max verstappen who basically said that they were cheating anyways um ferrari were quite adamant that uh, they did nothing they made no changes to their power units and uh, basically the lack of speed that they had was how they approached the their their downforce uh, levels so they have run with lower wing settings compared to a lot of their rivals all season long to uh, to boost its speed on the straights uh, but that's been at the expense of uh, the, the the corner and the grip uh, during the corners and that's where red bull and uh, mercedes have really had the edge compared to uh, to ferrari all season long but you know it, it's funny because you know you you see that and then uh, you know you, you go and look around and then uh, you hear Charles Leclerc talking and um, well first of all I think it was interesting what uh, what, what Verstappen said uh, because when when he was asked about the um, uh, you know the, uh, the 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 advantage that Ferrari had and then they were slower at uh, you know at Austin and then uh, he said and I quote this is Max Verstappen and he said uh, that's what happens we stop cheating of course but yeah they had a good look at it so now we have to keep close on it uh, of course so <laughs> that's interesting because uh, basically what uh, this uh, this directive that was uh, issued by the FIA uh, earlier that uh, that week was that uh, in this technical directive that uh, it basically outlawed what was a, a clever way of uh, increasing the the the, the flu, uh, fuel flow. So Leclerc and just sort of building on uh, that that previous uh, uh, statement that I was just talking about, uh, Ferrari saying that they made no changes to their 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 power unit, and uh, Max saying that uh, they were cheating. So Charles and I love this because there's a bit of a rivalry uh, brewing between these guys, uh, both on and off the ta- track. So, anyways, Charles had uh, this to say in response to uh, Max Verstappen, and I quote: "I think it is a joke, to be completely honest. He has no clue. He is not in the team. We know exactly what we are doing. I don't know why he's speaking. He doesn't know anything." Thing about us and that you know that is uh, really really true and uh, but but it is funny and i think it's um, like i say i think it's interesting the rivalry that is uh, really brewing between these uh, two guys and we've seen it uh, on on the track and i don't know what uh, what, what max thinks he knows um, he probably knows a lot more than uh, than we do obviously but it uh there are no shortage of uh, critics uh, after that last week and after that uh, that uh, directive was issued by the FAA because uh, Honda F1 uh, technical director Toyoharu Tanabe says that it is clear that Ferrari had a reduced speed advantage at the US Grand Prix, but he really didn't go as far to be completely uh, specific. So uh, Tanabe said, and I quote, we cannot separate the chassis drag and the engine performance. When we look at only speed, the gap between Ferrari 
Ferrari and ours is closer than in previous races. That is clear, but we don't know if it came from only the engine or the chassis. Their race pace was not as strong as previous races. It means the package was different or not sufficient for this track. I don't know, but we see the difference in the top speed. So that is, uh, you know, that that is very, very... Um, uh, I think that's a good statement. I think that's very concise. I mean, he he's, he is noting that the uh, there there was a reduction in the straight line speed of the Ferrari, but uh, unlike Max, who was uh, probably quite blunt in uh, in in his assessment of uh, what uh, what what the what the issue was, and that that was obviously that uh, he felt they were cheating with the with the fuel flow and uh, and working around uh, the, the the regulations. Whereas Tanabe was a little bit more non-committal and just uh, basically saying, oh, it could be the engine. Could could be the uh, you know the aerodynamics. It could be you know any number of things, but the end result was that uh, that they were slower. Now, so first of all, you have uh, Ferrari saying that uh, that it was uh, there was all to do with the, the downforce. But then a couple of days later, afterwards, now they're saying that they're at a loss to explain why their pace was so bad at the U.S. Grand Prix, and they really weren't any match for uh, Mercedes or or Red Bull. I mean, uh, uh, Bottas and, and Hamilton and uh, Verstappen, they all finished within several seconds of each other. I think that Max uh, finishing third was somewhere about five or six uh, seconds uh, off of the race lead by the time uh, the, the, the race was over. Leclerc, miles, miles behind. I think he was about uh, 50, 55 seconds back. So that is, uh, well, I mean, that's light years in Formula One terms. And especially uh, for, for one of the big teams, that's uh, really quite uh, a massive uh, deficit to, to be at uh, compared to uh, some of uh, the, the teams that uh, that you've been that you're, you're a rival to, especially the, the the Ferrari has shown over the past uh, number of races uh, since the, the 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 summer break how quick and how uh, how good they were. I mean, we look at it, Monza, how they were able to stay ahead on those uh, the, the long straightaways and uh, and in Belgium as well and other races uh, since. And uh, this past weekend, it looked like they'd gone completely off the boil. They were just uh, not uh, anywhere close. To, uh, to to challenging anyone. I mean, they both looked uh, terrible off of the line and uh, and Vettel even admitted after uh, he crashed out of the race with that suspension failure that it just uh, took uh, several laps to to really get any heat into the tires and to get them uh, working. And then it, it did look like he was getting a, a bit of pace. I mean, because he dropped back through the race order quite rapidly. I mean, uh, he'd lost a place even by, uh, by, by the first turn. It was, he was passed by Ricardo and other drivers uh, after that. And... By the time it looked like his tires had started to working, there was a sufficient grip and sufficient temperature in it. It was a it, it was a bit of a, a moot point because it wasn't too long after that that uh, the suspension on uh, the the right rear f- failed uh, rather spectacularly, and um, and I really wonder that I and to be quite honest. I haven't had a chance to really look into it since the race, but I haven't uh, really heard anybody else uh, talk too much about uh, you know what, what was the actual cause of uh, the suspension failure. I mean, the the, the one obvious uh, speculation is is just uh, because of the horrible uh, nature of the track there at uh, at the circuit of the the Americas, just how how bumpy it was, and that that really was uh, surprising because when I came in and uh, started watching uh, uh, qualifying on Saturday, hadn't really had a chance to to, to follow up on uh, on the practice sessions uh, beforehand but uh, immediately they were talking about how the uh, drivers were complaining about how bumpy the race uh, track was and how how unpleasant it was i mean lewis hamilton was uh, complaining of headaches after um, i think it was on saturday after after qualifying 
And I thought, oh yeah, well sure, you know, uh, sometimes athletes tend to over-exaggerate things and, and and maybe make a bit of a meal of it. But uh, when I actually sat down to actually watch uh, some of the highlights uh, from, from practice and then watch qualifying, I was really quite surprised actually to like how bouncy and how, how much the, the, the guys were really being thrown around on the inside of the cockpits over some of those areas that uh, really were... Um, really weren't very good uh, in in terms of, um, of of the surface there and I mean so part of it uh, you know part of the fallout from that is that uh, the, the track is actually going to close for for the winter for expense or sorry extensive and also a bit of a Freudian slip uh, also probably expensive uh, repairs and that is uh, in partly to do with the, the the problem that they had for for Formula One but also these undulations and bumps in the track caused a lot of uh, problems for the MotoGP riders when uh, they were there back in uh, back in April. Um, anyways, uh, th- there was uh, a couple of uh, things that were said by uh, Coda Bossa, Bobby Epstein, and he told motorsport.com, quote, the guys worked all last night and tonight they're doing it again out in the pit area. There's a massive grinder coming. It's not easy on our guys because all our staff work pretty hard for the weekend and they already have a lot of hours. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a big burden. We're actually closing the track for most of uh, December and the half of January to fix the problems. We did some repairs last year before MotoGP, so I wouldn't say we'd have to do the whole thing. Certainly will involve the entire back straight, the pit out and part of turn one. There's a part of a hump before turn nine, turns 18 and 19. So it's pretty extensive. I know what the bill is, end quote. So <laughs> Epstein does hint at it. So my, my, my slip uh, say that it was going to be closed for expensive repairs probably isn't uh, too far off the mark. But uh, it it was an issue. And uh, and, and even um, uh, uh, Max uh, Verstappen was saying that uh, that he suffered uh, floor damage, that, uh, that uh, he felt... Uh, was going to uh, really hindered his chance to to really uh, put a bid in uh, to try and win that uh, race, but uh, uh, apparently the, the the floor damage was picked up uh, earlier in the in the race. And uh, Christian Horner, the the team boss uh, for Red Bull, said, "quote We had a pretty decent weekend qualifying within a few hundredths of the pole, but we lost a big chunk of the rear floor quite early on in the race. Uh, we damaged the front wing end plate with a touch at the first turn, and then we have had some rear floor damage, which I don't know was the result." of that or running wide at the first turn but from about uh, lap five onwards we saw a drop in load and there's a big hole in the floor that is missing so Verstappen also uh, said that uh, that his car was behaving in uh, what he called a weird way, which I'd expect uh, that uh, a big hole in your floor would uh, <laughs> affect your car to, to quite a bit. And Max said, uh, quote, I was just struggling with some weird oversteer in the car. Initially, they said it was just my front wing, which had a bit of uh, damage after the race. I looked at the car and I was missing a big piece of my floor in front of the rear tire. So that definitely cost me a lot of lap time today. I don't know when it happened, but uh, already quite quickly into the race i had this weird behavior from the car which i had not felt before so that's a bit unfortunate otherwise i think we could have been stronger and i think he probably could have been i mean uh, he did very well to stay in touch uh, with the mercedes and um, like i was saying earlier in the show i think that if he had a couple more uh, laps he just might have been able to uh, do a little bit more and might have been able to get a little bit closer to, to well i mean he's already close enough to, to lewis hamilton but i think that uh, had he had a, a couple
couple of laps more, he might have been uh, able to, to to make a move and pass uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, and uh, maybe get a second. I, I, I think at that point uh, that uh, the, that the race was uh, going to be uh, Valtteri Bottas as he was just too strong in those uh, closing st- stages. But uh, Max, I think, uh, certainly was uh, robbed of a, of a second place. Anyways, I, I'd like to talk uh, now about uh, my bookie or a sponsor. Again, they're back uh, for this week. And like I was saying earlier, November is one of the great uh, sports months of the year. Uh, football, college hoops, NBA, NHL, golf, racing, anything. It's all out there. And my bookie is the place to get in on the action. So if you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you get a couple of the, the big favorites that this week, the parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So... Of course, there's props, features, and in-game betting available too. NFL lines, NBA lines, NHL lines, NCAA, sorry, NCAA hoops. That's a bit of a mouthful for me. <laughs> They're all online. You can go check it out at mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. So that means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. So just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of mybookie's generous sign-up offer. So visit mybookie.ag today. And remember, at mybookie, you play you win, you get paid. Okay, well, let's uh, keep it going here. And uh, just going back to, to, to Ferrari, and, uh, you know, I was just uh, saying uh, just uh, a little bit earlier that uh, it is a little bit weird that uh, they, they did start saying, okay, well, this is the reason that, that we were so slow, and that was uh, because of the, uh, you know, the, the, the downforce that, uh, settings that uh, we had with the front wing. It wasn't uh, anything with the power unit. But now that uh, they are just... Uh, comp- at a loss to explain what's uh, what's going on, and um, Matteo Bonato, the the team principal at Ferrari, said uh, when he was asked uh, if he had a, a an understanding uh, or, or knew what was going on, he said, "quote uh, not yet." End quote. Anyways, uh, Charles uh, went on to say, uh, "quote on the first stand up, especially, I've got no explanation for that. Something really felt uh, wrong, and we need to analyze and understand what was wrong with that. On the second and third stints, it was not as bad as the first one. We were still slower than on the first leaders, but." Uh, not as much as the first stint. So I think we need to analyze what happened on the first stint. I had a lot of problems with the front and some of the corners, and it was pretty inconsistent all throughout the first run. But it comes, uh, to be completely honest, I have no answers to tell you what was wrong. It just felt really, really poor grip. So that is interesting because, um, you know, like uh, we were saying a little bit earlier that uh, that uh, everybody else, a lot of Ferrari's rivals are saying, oh, they're so slow because they were cheating with the engine, with the, with the fuel flow. And now that uh, that the FIA has uh, clarified the issue and closed the loophole around that, that uh, they, they've had to make the changes. And that was the, uh, the, the, the whole reason that they were slower. But if you hear, um, the, you know, the people within Ferrari themselves, uh, earlier in the weekend, Charles was just uh, critical of Max uh, saying, well, he doesn't know what, uh, what he's talking about. He's not in the team. We've made no uh, changes uh, to the engine but then we see uh, Charles reaction a, a day or so after the race he's a little bit more specific again uh, he does uh, say that it has uh, something to do with the uh, w- with the grip on the car and just um, it, it was obvious uh, I think that 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 was a, a lot of the problem 
and whether or not the, that that's just fake news, uh, they're they're just uh, not being uh, completely forthcoming. They're trying to deflect um, or divert attention away from you know that the, they have in fact made uh, changes to the engine. They don't want anybody to know. They don't want to admit that uh, that they were uh, doing naughty things. Of course, that that's always a, a possibility. But just looking at how slow they were off the line, of course they they were uh, both on the, uh, the 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 dirty side of the track. But it uh, they just were not up to it. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens the last two races of the year in uh, Brazil and Abu Dhabi, whether or not they can uh, get it turned around or if they've gone uh, completely off uh, the, the, the boil again. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit uh, more about, well, let's, I'm going to jump ahead here. Let, let's talk about uh, the torpedo, Danny Kvyat. So he's denied a, a point scoring finish again for a post-race uh, penalty, and that's for the st- second uh, straight race in a row. Uh, that happened in Mexico, had to, uh, happened again at uh, the U.S. Grand Prix last uh, weekend. And um, so this, this happened, uh, or he was penalized uh, because uh, he uh, made contact and pushed uh, uh, Sergio Perez in the racing point uh, wide after uh, you know getting inside of the the, the sharp uh, turn 15 and uh, well he was placed under investigation by the stewards for causing a collision and there was assessed a, a five second penalty uh, shortly after the checkered flag which uh, dropped uh, the the torpedo down to uh, 12th place so like I say that uh, happened uh, you know a week earlier in Mexico as well and it's kind of funny I was just uh, I, I was thinking when I was reading about that when I'd heard that uh, Kvyat had been given that uh, that that penalty and then uh, ended up in in 12th place and ended up outside of the points was that uh, I show a guy a little bit of love on this program that seems to be the kiss of death because I'd uh, been uh, I think we were talking about it either last week or the week before just um, not so much about uh, Kvyat but just about the, uh, the the situation at Red Bull in uh, general you know how uh, Alex Albon moved up to the, to the big team and uh, Pierre Gasly had moved back down to Toro Rosso and just uh, and all of that and, and, and why it seemed to be the logical uh, driver the four drivers that uh, are Red Bull drivers have in Formula One either in the the, the big team or at uh, Toro Rosso that uh, Kvyat was a known quantity uh, you know having uh, raced uh, he's been in the system for a while uh, raced for Toro Rosso raced for Red Bull so it really made uh, sense uh, at least in uh, from from my point of view to try uh, Alex Albon uh, in the big team for the the second half of the year if they're going to make uh, any changes and he's done uh, very well but at the same time when I was uh, giving praise to, um, to Alexander Albon I was also being uh, quite uh, complimentary of uh, Danny Kvyat uh, I'd been saying that uh, that uh, having that uh, that year out uh, away from Formula One last year as a race driver at, uh, at any rate I know he was a reserve and simulator driver to Ferrari in 2018 that he seemed uh, more focused, seemed a little bit more mature, seemed a, a little less uh, torpedo-like uh, this year. But uh, Kvyat, uh, I guess, uh, at the end of the day, he's uh, Kvyat's just being Kvyat, and uh, and, and the torpedo uh, reputation uh, is is well deserved as it is. Uh, he's manifested his inner torpedo in the last couple of uh, races. Anyways, um, uh, Racing Point uh, team principal Otmar Safnauer says that uh, Kvyat's uh, penalty at the end of the race for his last lap contact with Sergio Perez was. Uh, was well deserved and uh, Racing Point uh, said that uh, quotes justice prevailed in that uh, situation uh, with, with uh, Danny Kvyat and talking about uh, other uh, uh, drivers uh, from the back of the pack uh, has, boy have they ever had a had a bad year I mean uh, really disappointed really hope to, to see better things uh, from them this year but uh, the, again nothing really to, to write home about I mean 20 points for, for Magnussen uh, this year 8 points uh, for Grosjean in the championship less than 30 points at this point no pun intended, um, in the season uh, is really a, a poor showing for 
them. But uh, his his race, uh, Kevin Magnuson's uh, retirement on the very last uh, or, or right towards the end of the lap, I think it was uh, maybe two, three laps uh, before the checkered flag uh, waved, um, happened when uh, the, um, the his brake disc on the right front uh, literally exploded. And uh, as he was going um, into the corner, <laughs> you could just see all the brake dust coming out and uh, he went into the gravel and, uh, and, and that, that was it. So disappointing for them. Anyways, let's just talk a little bit now about uh, McLaren as we start to, to wind the show down uh, a little bit now. Um, this is a story that's been out there for a little bit, uh, but it was, uh, I think this was a story that was uh, originally uh, um, reported by motorsport.com about a month ago that uh, they'd been, uh, McLaren that has been uh, in discussion with uh, Petrobras, which is the um, uh, Brazilian fuel and oil company, and uh, they've uh, terminated their sponsorship uh, deal with uh, immediate effect. And that's the second time something like that's happened in Formula One this year. Earlier this year, it was Rich Energy terminating their sponsorship deal with, uh, with, uh, with uh, sorry, not Red Bull, with uh, Toro Rosso. Sorry, not Toro Rosso, because getting all these uh, different energy drink uh, manufacturers mixed up uh, with, with Haas uh, F1. And uh, unlike uh, Rich Energy and Haas, the, uh, the Petrobras or Petrobras, whatever you want to call them, and uh, McLaren was uh, was not quite as weird and uh, a bit strange. I mean, that whole saga around uh, the bizarre bizarreness of the uh, rich energy and the has split was just uh, it was just it was just odd. Anyways, uh, just uh, sticking with uh, M- McLaren now, they've admitted uh, that uh, that their pit stops are not at the same level as uh, some of the, uh, the, the 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 top teams, and that, that's true. I mean, it was. Uh, it was it was really I think embarrassing for them in Mexico uh, almost two weeks ago with that botch uh, pit stop with uh, with Lando Norris. I mean he was uh, delayed obviously and retired because he was so far behind uh, in that race and um, it, it was unfortunate because they just didn't uh, weren't able to, to fasten one of the wheels on in his pit stop and uh, the wheel was completely loose. He gets down to the end of the pit lane and the mechanics have to run down there, grab the car, and push it back to his pit stop, and that uh, was uh, just uh, embarrassing. But I mean you look at it. Um, quite often if you look at the top teams and the teams that are doing it well they seem to be nailing the pit stops in about uh, 2.2, 2.3 anywhere up to about 2.5 seconds uh, per stop which is absolutely uh, it's phenomenal I mean uh, to, to get all those people working around the car and to get all four sets of, uh, or sorry, all four tires uh, changed in, in two and a half uh, seconds is, uh, it's quite something. And um, I believe the, the the record now for the fastest pit stop is about 1.9 seconds, which is, I can't even comprehend that. I mean, that is just, um, that that is just uh, amazing. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm really not uh, doing them uh, credit for, you know, say, I can't find the, 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 the right word for it, but it really is uh, something. But uh, I've, I've noticed uh, with some of the, the McLaren stops, they seem to be, uh, you know, three, three and a half seconds in their pit stops. So, they you know, I, I think they'll get it right. I mean, they, they seem, and I've been talking about them rather positively now for a good number of months. Uh, and, and I think that's uh, well-deserved for them after being uh, literally in the wilderness and down at the, the, the bottom of the heap for, for so many seasons. That, uh, that that 2019 has been a year forward for them in in, in so many years. I mean, the car is better. Uh, they've had uh, obviously they've they've had uh, better results on the track. Uh, both uh, Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris have done very very well. I mean, uh, I've been impressed by Lando Norris. Uh, I know he's further down in the, uh, the the world championship and hasn't scored quite as many points as Carlos Sainz. But uh, Sainz has had the the benefit of uh, being in Formula One a little bit longer than Nando, but or sorry, Lando. Uh, but I, I think uh, together. 
together, they've done a, a very, very good job. And I think uh, for once uh, that uh, that things are, are really been going in the right uh, direction. I mean, it couldn't have gotten uh, much worse as uh, it was a couple of years ago when they were there with Honda. Last year, I think it was a bit of a transition year. But this year, the the, the changes have been quite noticeable. I mean, uh, they, they've been more regular in the later qualifying rounds. They've been there in, in the points uh, more regularly. They've had uh, multiple double point finishes. And uh, of course, off the track, they've uh, appointed a number of key people in, in, in key positions and uh, are continuing to, to do so. And I think uh, that slowly but surely we're, we're seeing McLaren uh, really starting to rise out of the ashes. And uh, it, it, it it's it's going to be a long process, obviously, and they, they've really fallen a long way behind a lot of the other top teams in, in Formula One. And I keep asking myself, where is a realistic um, place for them to come back to? It's I really would like to see it. And this is probably more from a sentimental point of view uh, from when they were so good uh, over the past decade, going back into the 90s, obviously into the 80s. And I mean, they're a wonderful team with a very rich history and it's a team that uh, that knows how to win and they've won many world championships, both uh, in, the, in the drivers and the constructors. But I don't know, it just, uh, it, it seems that that. Formula One, for obvious reasons, has uh, changed a lot in in, in recent times, and uh, well, who knows if this uh, you know that this costs cap uh, you know that uh, that they're going to bring in will 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 make a difference and uh, create more parity and uh, and level the playing field, but. I, I don't know if if they will be able to get back and and, and beat Ferrari or beat uh, Mercedes at uh, their their own game. I think that that they can get closer to them. I, I think that they might become kind of like a Red Bull team. Maybe not quite. Yeah, you know, I don't think they can get quite to that level. But who knows? Who who really knows where where the uh, where where the limit is? And uh, they will be going back to to Mercedes engines. I mean, they're not going to be sticking with Renault for for very much longer. So. The thing is, they did, I think, after being in uh, denial for a while, actually come out and admit that even though that the Honda engines were bad, that even though they'd been uh, blowing their own trumpet uh, for quite a while and then saying that even though that, uh, you know, the, the engine was bad, you know, there, there was nothing wrong with their chassis. Their chassis was in the best ones in Formula One. And then they had to eat a little bit of humble pie and then came back and said that uh, that the chassis wasn't all that great uh, either but uh, this year I, I think that they have a uh, you know a strong case to make uh, for for themselves and uh, and, and, and that uh, that the uh, that the car is better obviously that uh, they've been able to do more with uh, with their car than uh, than the Renault works team even though they've uh, done a little bit uh, more positive things especially I think Ricardo had a good uh, result uh, this uh, this past weekend which is a bright spot in what's been uh, an otherwise bit of a gloomy year and disappointing year for Danny Ricardo, but uh, McLaren themselves, um, I don't know. I, I still think they have a long, long way to go. I think they can uh, improve upon the uh, the amount of points uh, that they had uh, in the World Championship uh, this year. It'll just be interesting to see next year. Are they going to be able to, to maintain this forward progress? Will they be able to, to keep it going? Or are they going to regress uh, a little bit uh, and, uh, and go backwards? But I like what I've seen from them uh, throughout the year, and I just uh, really hope that uh, that they can keep it uh, keep it moving forward. Anyways, uh, just a, a little bit uh, more now, just a couple more things to go over. And uh, Alpha is going to confirm that uh, Antonio Giovinazzi will be there again next year in 2020, and he'll stay uh, alongside uh, Kimi Raikkonen. And Alpha's been uh, been a disappointment uh, for, for me this year. I mean, um, they're just. Uh, well, I mean, they're down there in the constructors' championship, and and maybe my my expectations were a little bit uh, colored and a little bit uh, biased. I, I think uh, after 
they, they had a promising year last year when it was Al, sorry Selber Alfa Romeo uh, racing. But I, I keep thinking, uh, you know, back to 2018, how much of it was the car and how much of it was uh, Charles Leclerc. And I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of it uh, was uh, was uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, uh, Marcus Ericsson, he's he's a decent driver. I mean, I don't think he's one of the guys that was ever going to get a like a top drive with uh, you know one of the, one of the big teams. But I mean, definitely good enough to be in Formula One. But just the difference between himself and, and Charles Leclerc last year was uh, was really really uh, apparent, and, uh, and Charles finished uh, much better. And I thought it was it was interesting how he was able to uh, progress and, and, and qualify better and do better in the races in uh, in a car that was uh, obviously not the greatest. Uh, but uh, you know, when when you know that uh, you're looking at a guy that doesn't have the, one of the best cars on the grid, then it's uh, not so much. Well, how does the Alpha compare to say the Mercedes? And obviously, the the answer to that one is uh, not as good as the Mercedes. And obviously, that's going to be a, a big gap between the two of them. But um, the, when it's uh, that sort of a situation, when, when you know that, uh, that that it's not one of the one of the greatest cars, it's then uh, well, how does he compare to his teammate? And uh, he was much much better. And uh, even this year, we've seen it uh, with uh, with uh, Charles at uh, at Ferrari that uh, he's outqualified Vettel and uh, won uh, a number of races. And uh, th- there you go. But, anyways, uh, I-, I think that uh, Giovinazzi, I think that's a good choice uh, for for Alfa Romeo. But um, I-, I really hope that they're able to-, to to move forward and do something a-, a-, a little bit better because they've been, like I say, I think they've been disappointing this year. I think they um, they're they're never going to be a contender in Formula One, but I would have thought that uh, that they would have been able to to pull themselves up a, a little bit higher up in the world championship uh, than the, than the, than they have been. Anyways, uh, just uh, now closing it out. Uh, Formula One said that they could abandon uh, Pirelli's 2020 tires, and uh, well, drivers were very very critical of uh, the Pirellis uh, after tests at the U.S. Grand Prix uh, you know, practice uh, sessions. So the, all all the drivers were given two sets of the 2020 uh, spec uh, tires at uh, at, at, at the practice session on Friday, and uh, most of the drivers reported uh, an unexpected lack of grip. And I mean, there's a bit of a, a bit of a, I guess, a disclaimer there. And uh, there, there were colder conditions, and the, the, the track was green, and uh, they were wondering whether or not the tires would be uh, an improvement, uh, as uh, they discussed um, with uh, with Chase Carey before uh, the the qualifying on Saturday. And they they were they were unanimous uh, that uh, that the the data from the Friday running should be uh, should be studied further, and uh, if the the results are not positive regarding that 2020 spec rubber, then uh, they're saying that uh, they should make an early decision to stick with the uh, the, the the 2019 uh, compounds, which they say are, are proven at this point. So interesting uh, to see. Um, I don't know. I, I thought about it. We, would we like to see a return to uh, the era of Formula One? We had uh, different tire manufacturers. Uh, uh, out there and uh, and competing, you have say one uh, one uh, one team is running Pirellis, the other one uh, Goodyears or Firestones or Michelin's, wh- whatever it might be. I don't know. I I, I think that um, I kind of like the idea of uh, kind of standardizing things like tires, keeping everybody uh, on there on the same ones, and then it uh, kind of it takes one one variable out of the equation. I mean, you remember that one year when. Uh, we only had a couple of teams start the the U.S. Grand Prix when it was running at Indy because of the uh, the, the problems that they had the rubber there. That just was was a bad look for Formula One, and I know that uh, 
which has to had to do with like a, a lot of the load coming into that uh, that final corner because he had like that infield section of the track and they ran on a portion of the oval in Indy. But um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, if they, they decide uh, not to go with the uh, the 2020 spec rubber, then uh, much like uh, the people in uh, Formula One, I'd hope to see that a, de- a decision is made sooner rather than later. Anyways, that's a good place to wrap up the show uh, this week. Thank you uh, again so much for your support and downloading and listening to the show. If you have any questions or comments or feedback, I'd love to hear them. Uh, you can send them my way uh, either on Twitter at f one pod or email me at uh, f one pod at gmail.com. And that's a wrap. We'll be back again this time next week to talk about uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix and I still don't like the idea that by the time the end of this month comes and rolls around and we go into December and we get past Thanksgiving and all that, that Formula One is going to be done for 2019. (laughs) And I know I'm being purely selfish, but it is what it is. Anyways, that's it for me again. Thank you for listening. I'm done. That's a wrap. I'm out of here. Thanks very much. Talk to you guys again this time next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.